Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Grammys under fire as Ariana Grande slams producers. The Week in Media Bombshells. Why Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt are blowing up the internet. Plus, Liam Neeson's really bad week. All this and more on Meet the Hollywood Press for February 10th, 2019. I'm Alina Vision, and now your host of Meet the Hollywood Press, Joseph Kapsch. Happy Sunday, everybody, on a very wet and, like, a little bit, like, kind of dreary uh, L.A. Grammy Sunday. Welcome back, Alina. Thank you. It's not welcome back. It's like, good afternoon, Alina. Happy Sunday, fun day. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, I want to break into a very quick um, uh, shout out to, wait a minute, I just totally lost my train of thought. Guys, I'm sorry. (laughs) <laughs> Let me just introduce my guests right now. Okay. Really great that we're on Facebook Live for the first time, and I'm totally dropping my uh, my intro. Without um, further ado, I want to welcome back to Meet the Hollywood Press, Jared Hill, entertainment journalist. Who we thank you for coming back. We've seen your work in New York Times, Essence, NBC News. Um, am I missing any big ones there? The THR. THR, yes. And I didn't mention this the last time you were here. Oh, God. You know, Jared is the one that, for viewers of Meet the Hollywood Press... Why are you hiding over there? (laughs) Discovered that Melania Trump plagiarized Michelle Obama. This is the guy. This is the journalist that discovered in a coffee shop as he was writing. (laughs) This is the guy. Sharp mind. And I realized that, like, after he appeared the last time when I was talking to Anita, and I was like, oh, my God, we need to mention that when he comes back. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Very kind. Thank you very much. So, thank you for joining us again. And also, uh, on my left is David Reddish, the entertainment editor of Queerty. Hi. A leading LGBTQ publication, which you just informed me has sees as much as 8 million unique visitors a month. Uh, That's our average. We're actually passing that right now. Last month we hit an all time high. Congratulations. Good work. Nice. He and I are on the uh, Galica. Are you Galica too? Oh, okay, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> We're on this. Thanks a lot, Joseph. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> the Gay and Lesbian uh, Entertainment Cri- Critic Association. Association. Yeah. That's how we came to know each other. And he um, wrote the article about Bert and Ernie yes. actually being gay. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Nice. Yeah, so I always like to, that. that's where it really came to me. I was like, oh, you should be on the show. And he's like, okay. And it's like, here you are. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, let's jump into this because the Grammy carpet's already underway as we talk about the, <laughs> the Grammys under fire. So basically, I'm just going to jump right in here. So basically, right now, um, leading up to the Grammys, obviously, coming off the Super it's just been, I feel, nothing but a string of like issues throughout the music industry, whether it be the Super Bowl performance or now it's the Grammys and so one uh, article that especially hit me this week was uh, that black artists especially were not um, uh, were declining invites even some of the biggest artists such as uh, Kendrick Lamar Childish Gambino Drake um, and then just as early as Thursday 
Ariana Grande pulled out of the Grammys. She's a multi-nominated um, artist, and she just actually won because they started already announcing mm-hmm. for uh, best uh, pop vocal. I believe it was. Hold pop on, album, I think you said pop vocal yeah. performance. Maybe? Yeah, for pop. So- hold on, we know the Except pop for- part is in there. Yeah, 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 yeah pop, so- sure. pop solo performance. Got yes. it. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Best pop vocal album for Sweetener. So she okay. just picked that up after a very public. Um, uh, dispute with the with the Grammy producer um, who who basically went on record saying she wasn't performing because they didn't have time to pull everything together and she basically Alina we have the the tweet right yes we do she came out and basically which by the way more power to her slammed the producer like Ken stop, yeah Ken yeah. Ehrlich stop lying about me go ahead yeah so she says I've kept my mouth shut but now you're lying about me because he pretty much said that um, she couldn't pull it together. So she says, I can pull together performance overnight, and you know that, Ken. It was why my crea- it was when my creativity and self-expression was stifled by you that I decided not to attend. I hope the show is exactly what you want it to be and more. Heart. So at the core of this was that the Grammys are no- you know notable for putting together, which I think is personally sometimes the most hideous thing these veteran artists with these brand new artists in these like Fukakta medleys or whatever you want to call them and they basically didn't want her the biggest arguably the biggest female pop artist right now of our you know at the moment to perform pick her songs that she wanted to perform Seven Rings which debuted at number one they wanted her to, to perform stuff that she wanted to you know that they wanted to choose and she said no right so what's your thoughts I I mean, I don't love Seven Rings, so I'm not really that hurt about it. But, I, I mean, if yeah. she was doing Thank You Next, I would have To be clear. That. But, but that's not what we're talking about. Um, I I saw her response on Twitter, and I thought, like, good for her. Like, you know, it's yeah. good for yourself. I do wonder how it will hurt her in the future. Yeah. Because uh, Ken Ehrlich tends to produce a lot of award shows. Yeah. Um, and that could come back to maybe bite her. But I thought, good for you. Like, stand up and defend your name. And, you know, I mean, one of them is lying. Um, but, like, yeah. either either he's lying or she's lying. Like, because both things can be true. Can be true, yeah. Um, but I think, you know, good for her. I mean, it's interesting to me that they're still using her likeness so prominently in yeah. advertising for the Grammys, and she's not there. She doesn't want anything to do with it, and she's now <laughs> slamming the producer. Yeah. Um, it, it's a shame because, to me, the only appeal of watching the Grammys, quite frankly, is the performances. Yes. You know, you watch for the performances now. The ones the that you want to see. The ones that you want to yeah. see. The re- you know, TiVo, the rest. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's sad, really. So my thing though, okay. So though I want to, I want to hit on something. If this is just my imagination, um, and I would love female perspective uh, okay. coming in here because last year that we we learned last week on our show, uh, Variety uh, executive editor music told us that last year when Lord didn't perform, it was because Lord had had a brand new album and they wouldn't let her perform. Solo, like on the show, but she was even nominated. I believe uh, nominated or had a new album, but she wanted to perform. They offered her a slot to do a medley. She said no. Like I want to perform. This recurring theme, and I don't know if it's just these are the stories that leak out. Is there an unconscious or subcon, like an unconscious or conscious? Like like sexist thing going on because more often than not I feel like we're seeing these issues with female performers just like last year it was Grammy so male and now it's like they're nitpicking on the girls like that are performing no no you can't be in a medley but then this a male artist can get his own showcase what's your feeling there is this just me trying to make nothing hay out of nothing or could there be something right. going on I think definitely last year the problem was brought to you know full throttle with Lord um, I know that's 
this year they were supposed to be making changes, and it was supposed to be a conscious change to include more women yeah. and all of that. And now with this, it's like, now I agree with Ariana. Like, as an artist, you want to perform the art that you want to perform. Yes. So I'm glad she stuck up for herself that way, and I think it'll be um, good for women coming up behind her, you know, for next year. Like, don't fall to these people who are dictating what art you can perform. Yeah. Um. So I, you're right. You don't see it with a lot of male I don't, artists I don't remember all. some big blow so up with a male is, artist yeah. unless I'm like just not remembering. Like where is it like this male artist is pulling out out of the show? Because it just seems like, and I think that sometimes like longtime veteran, you know, we were in this male dominated right. Hollywood. They don't even realize, like I think they it could realize, be yeah. uncon- like subconscious. Like they don't even realize that it's like they're nitpicking the women, it's like, you know, women are, if there's not any other time that women are empowered, it's right now. Yeah. Sure. Right. I mean, and this is not a problem that's unique to the Grammys either. Let it be said. I, I think this, you know, on a fundamental level is much more about this sort of artistic temperament versus the business temperament. Right. Yes. You know, I, I'm remembering uh, the VMAs used to have the same problem when Nirvana was asked to perform Smells Like Teen Spirit, and they were like, absolutely not. You know, we want to perform a different <laughs> yeah. song. But they at least that's, reached a compromise. And that was 20-something years ago. So, you yeah. know, you yeah. have to wonder if maybe maybe the producers are tougher on women, a little less compromising than they would be with a male artist or an artist of a certain tier. I, You know, it's hard to say, but... I think also art, audience, I mean, artists are more empowered to say no to award shows because, yeah. like, award shows used to be, like, one of the main places you'd see someone outside of being on a music video, but now right. we can see them on a million different shows. We can see them on Instagram. We see them on YouTube. We see them yeah. on... It's like, okay, we get it, Ariana. It's like, you know? Yes. So I think artists also don't feel, like, the, the pressure to have to perform at award shows to be able to have big moments. Yeah, because right. the ones that have big social media followings, as you mentioned, can drive ticket sales to their concerts through their own platforms. Right. Which right. I find to be the best change about the industry at large, whether it be music, TV, and film, the way that uh, celebrities and artists have been able to grab hold of their messaging. Like, I love that she just went out there like, hey, I'm going to slam you. Like, well, and 10 like, years ago, that would not be the... Yeah. Oh, no, you cannot take on right. the Grammys. It right. would have been so taboo for an artist to, to go at the producer that way. Well, and I mean, if you're Beyonce, you're like, I have four or five times more people following me on Instagram than are watching your little show. So, <laughs> yes. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's really cute. Thank you so much for the invite. But I'm going to do a post and everyone will talk about it. Yes, yeah. right. so true. Exactly. Okay, so there's another article. Again, there's it just feels like there's all these like anti-Grammy sentiments leading up to the awards. And there was this really uh, great article, which I thought, and I want to get your guys' uh, uh, read on it, that it was basically black artists are um, declining to perform, and that's a good thing. Okay, so I'm just going to read the just to give you an idea of what it was um, saying. So it was a Drake, Kendrick Lamar, Childish Gambino. All three have produced major hits over the last year, yet all declined invitations to perform on the Grammy stage this Sunday. While there has been no public comment thus far on their decision, there's a glaring reality hard to ignore. Even as music created by black artists continues to have undeniable commercial and cultural cachet, the awards they receive on Muse's biggest nights continue to be largely relegated to genre categories. Sure, you can have the biggest hit of the year. Sure, you can craft a genre-defying album to critical acclaim. But winning record of the year or album of the year, now you're still asking for too much. I think Tamara Best, who wrote this article, like she hit every single note yep. perfectly. I thought so, I, too. I, I thought she did an amazing job. I think what's frustrating to me about these shows is if we look at Beyonce, like just we were just talking about her, yeah. um, 
Lemonade was like a groundbreaking album, like objectively, right? If you're mm-hmm. a Beyonce fan or not, like it was groundbreaking what she did Absolutely. with that album. Yeah. There was nothing that's ever been like it before, and it kind of set a tone for for the future. Yeah, and Adele won. Right, Adele yeah. won for twenty five, which was you know a great album. But like, then Adele gets up on stage and says like, "Oh, I can't accept this. You're my queen." Da da da. And like, that's delightful. But like, <laughs> but you know, Adele gets the title, she gets the statue, and she gets the historic like nature of like of her win. Yes, we had this with Macklemore and Kendrick Lamar yeah. years ago. Like, oh, yes. I don't deserve this. You should have it. And it's like, yeah, that's really really great. But like, you also now are in the history books of as of having won this. So. I mean, I think it speaks to, and this might get me in trouble, but it speaks to a certain relevance of the Grammys as a whole. Um, because Tamara's points in that Daily Beast article are completely salient, but at the same time, I think it speaks to a larger systemic problem with the Grammys, which is, when was the last time uh, a Latin you know, artist won you know, Album of the Year? When yes. was the last time a country artist yeah. won Album of the Year? Everything is so you know, pigeonholed into different genres that the only thing that really wins is the sort of sanitized adult contemporary pop, you know, mainstream music, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, and obviously there are exceptions to that rule. Um, Outcasts, you know, winning. um, You know, Beyonce winning Song of the Year a few years back. The interesting thing about um, the the Grammys is that they did the same kind of overhaul where they were trying to invite more um, diverse uh, members of the Academy younger, but that kind of change doesn't obviously happen Overnight, So they have recognized that it's happening. Um, but my question is that is, why do you think, though, the Grammys have been uh, so slow to catch up to its own interest, industry? Meaning, like, I feel like music has led the way in a lot of other ways, whether it be the streaming business, the social media, the way that artists have really um, grabbed hold of social media. Why do you think, and then diversity, just in general, why do you think the Grammys, though, have failed to keep up with its own industry's evolution. I mean, it is segregated. It's segregated by genre. Yeah. And to some extent, you know, that that segregates by race, that segregates by gender, by, you know, all kinds of different, not just the audiences, but the artists themselves who are creating this music. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you overcome that and even the playing field out a little bit more. But well, I think even just if we're talking about the gender piece of it, I think uh, we saw MTV this year, like or last year, excuse me, they started to take away the gender elements of awards, right, and saying yeah. like yeah. best music video, best song, best you know cameo, and all that kind of stuff. I think that is still a long way away from happening from like the mainstream big awards. Yeah, talk about the Oscars and yeah. the Emmys and the Grammys and things like that. But I think there is something kind of antiquated about the structure of award shows, award shows, um, and the and the way that it is always the voting of like this largely white off. Oftentimes, largely male, you know, body of voting yeah. uh, of voters. So I think the, all of these institutions kind of have to like kind of turn a mirror on themselves and look and say like, yeah. are we reflective of our audience? And usually, the answer to that question is no. Yeah. Sure. Some of the music experts that um, you talk to about this are saying that the uh, the longtime uh, Recording Academy president, why is his name uh, uh, his name's escaping me? Not not Ken, but. His name will come to me in a second. He is going to be retiring or stepping down soon, mm-hmm. and that the 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 sentiment is that they really need to put a woman in charge. Well, this I time think around. I think we saw with the Oscars when Cheryl Bowen Isaacs was the president of the Academy. She was a black woman, and that was the that I think that first year was the year that Oscars So White happened, and I believe she was coming in as president. And correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, on but like so. we also saw her take you know major steps to be able to make sure that the the Oscars the the Academy looked a lot more diverse. 
diverse. diverse. And I think it's going to take someone taking a proactive step like that to say, like, we've got to do better yeah. um, to be able to make any kind of major changes. And I mean, the, the Academy is not perfect, right? The, yeah. the, Oscar, the Oscars are not perfect yet, but it seems like they have made a step forward. I'll be interested to see what happens at the Emmys later this year as we're talking about kind of a word chosen broad, in a broader sense because this was the first year that we saw network television had, a, you know, more diverse cast than all white casts. Yes. And I think that will make the uh, the award show a little bit more interesting, interesting. Uh, come in September. Also, Taylor Swift is uh, is not attending either. It's just interesting to me these, like, these younger um, uh, mega female stars are just not going to the Grammys this I mean, year. Maybe she got the memo that the Grammys is usually fairly boring and she's well, better off watching the show at home. Well, she's, I mean, that's she's just filming, She's filming Cats right now right. in Britain. Are they yes. shooting? Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, that's what I was reading about. Yeah. Well, also, um, I don't know, just the thought of, like, I have it DVR'd and, like, I'm already feeling like, oh, God, I have a chore to do tonight. <laughs> 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 it's like, I gotta mop the kitchen, no. I gotta wash the dishes, I gotta watch the Grammys, I gotta do the laundry. Like, yes, yeah. that's how I feel. Does anyone remember the Bonkers Grammys from, like, was that 97 or 98 when there was, like, the Bob Dylan was performing and there was the guy that, like, tore his shirt off and had soy bomb written on his chest? I totally Vaguely. remember that. Vaguely. And, um, Vaguely. Like, uh, uh, what's her name? Leanne Rimes performed How do I live? And then lost the Grammy to Trisha Yearwood's version of the exact same song. Oh, wow. It was just all this, like, like um, Will Smith and Jennifer Lopez almost got hit by the set, like, as it was, like, hydraulically rising out of the stage. It was oh, all wow. just oh my really God. nutty. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that would make me want to watch it. Exactly. It's the same thing with the VMAs. It's yeah. like, they're boring now. I miss the days when people were getting in fist fights on stage and getting okay, arrested. So, or, like, when Howard Stern was, like, uh, Howard Stern the, with the fart well, so the VMAs, a friend of mine, and I was really upset about it, first of all, uh, was like, you're not the audience for that show anymore, Jarrett? And yeah. I was like, the uh-huh. VMAs? And they're like, oh, I guess I'm not 13 to 25 or whatever it is. Like, But yeah, I do think the, the VMAs used to be more like iconic. I think all these yeah. shows used to feel more iconic back in the day. And, but, Anarcho, but anarchic. They, like, like, that yeah. was the fun. But I know. think it's also because we have so much access to these celebrities all the time, all these artists. That's and interesting. That there's no, like, there's no mystique anymore. I love when people, though, say that about the, the thing about award shows when they were iconic is they spanned generations. Because I could remember being a kid and your parents were in the room and you were watching and everybody was like, oh my God. Right. The fact that like they people make comments like that, I don't really buy into because you already know that MTV a long time ago lost the YouTube, like the audience to YouTube. Like they don't yeah. have the corner on that market. They're more like a soccer mom. Like the Jersey Shore like age group is now like 30s, yeah. early 40s. That's not so it's interesting to me that people would say that because to me, an award show should span across generations, you know? Well, I think, like, the Grammys should. I don't know if the VMAs would. Right. I think the, the yeah. VMAs and MTV, like, uh, what are the movie and TV awards? Yeah. I think those probably skew a lot younger, but, like, Billboard probably skews a little lower and younger, and I think maybe the American Music Awards skews a little older. Like, you know, I mean... Yeah. And it's, like, it's the Grammys. It's CBS. It's not intended to be a young audience. Audience. No. You know? All right, well, I'll look forward to the reports tomorrow of the ratings drop. <laughs> 
the deadline. And we all know it's coming. Yeah, yeah. Okay, moving the on. The synopsis email in the morning. Grammys tank for Grammys 30 tank. 30% down next year, year over year. Best popular song category oh, yeah. or something well, like that. Although we are looking forward to at least seeing what Alicia Keys does with it because, I mean, how long, how many years was LL Cool J? I mean, I get that he's on the network and everything, but I never understood. I have no comment about LL Cool J. <laughs> well, I didn't understand why he was the longtime host for all those years, but that's just because he was on CBS, I guess. When right? we're off the air, I'll tell you about how terrible a host <laughs> oh. I thought he was at that show. Ooh, okay. And I'll tell you, yeah, I just thought he was awful, but I won't talk about that on the show. Okay, so we're going to move on to, it was like the week in media bombshells. So this, uh, mind-blowing to me. Okay, so for those of you who haven't read the story, which would be impossible if you have been on the internet in the last couple of days, but Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world um, right now, and the owner of Amazon and the Washington Post, um, fired off a um, epic uh, medium post where he detailed the or allegations that the National Enquirer attempted to blackmail him and extort him. Um, not, I'm sorry, blackmail him um, with uh, like unseemly pictures. Uh, "Quote unquote dick pics." Mm-hmm. Um, if he didn't, can um, we say that on this show? Yeah, yeah, we can say dick pics. Oh, this just got completely different. <laughs> <laughs> the beautiful, the beauty of a digitally native show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's real. Yeah, so he essentially he came out there and basically beat, I, which I think AMI, who owns. Um, the National Enquirer, and is in the business for years of shaking down celebrities from for some of the most tawdry, disgusting kind of... I don't even call it journalism, personally, uh, what they do, right. but he basically detailed the post and then also put out a bunch of breadcrumbs insinuating that it was politically motivated, that they were trying to get him to say that it's not politically motivated. What I want to start is, is, what do you think this move that he's... this? dramatic move that he's made means for tabloids and gossip publications like are we going to see a major sea change now i i don't think we're going to see a major sea change but i do know that when this happened like there are rare instances where i'm like cheering on a rich white businessman who's like you know sticking it to the man like there that's rare but i was like good for you jeff bezos like um that's what i loved about it i think what's going to be really interesting to see is like what the ramifications of this are for ami because there's a lot of legal questions based on like their relationship with the trump investigations and all that. Yes. Um, but I thought it was great for him to be able to, like, if anyone could say no, I think he probably could. Um, being the richest man and, and like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to succumb to these kinds of demands. I thought it was great for him. Well, yeah, and for the audience where you just mentioned about this, so uh, AMI basically um, signed a, uh, you know, a, they got an immunity deal mm-hmm. for the payments that were made by Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, to um, Karen McDougal and uh, Stormy, Stormy Daniels. Daniels. So, but they're checking in to see that that immunity deal essentially said that AMI cannot commit any other crimes while they're under this blanket immunity deal. So, their basically attorney went on air today trying to say that they acted lawfully. They didn't do this. They didn't. And he's also. Um, which was interesting to me. He said he wouldn't give up the source, but then he basically said, but the source is not. And he went down a list of like, it's not the Saudis. It's not Donald Trump. It's not, and you know, because they were George Stephanopoulos on, uh, on ABC was digging in on if it was uh, Lauren Sanchez's brother, who I guess yeah. runs in the Roger Stone Trump world. He's circles. a PR guy. David Sanchez, I believe. Yes, his name, that's his it? name. Yeah. So 
I guess what I'm uh, what what I'm thinking though in the, in the manner that he did this, do you think that this could be potentially though the start of other celebrities following suit? I what mean, better way? I mean, I, I agree entirely with what Jared says in that it's not real journalism, the tabloids. And yeah. I think I think the question that's on my mind is, does this open up the, the Inquirer and AMI to a larger investigation as to their political dealings over the years? Because I remember very sharply that they said we, are not a poli- we have no political affiliation after they broke the John Edwards... Uh, where yeah. he knocked up Riel Hunter and he was running yes. for president. And I also know that uh, Elizabeth Edwards tried to have the story killed and that Picard's explanation was, oh no, we're not political, I have no control over this. So now we get to the point where we know he does have very direct control over this. We yes. know he does intervene for his friends. So Well, and there was a story last year about them having like this vault of like stories that have been killed, yeah. right? And yeah. they're like these egregious stories that never got printed. Um, catch and, and then, kill, yeah. Yeah, catch and kill. And uh, then we saw, you know, they'd have been they'd been in this non-prosecution agreement since September. It came out in I think like December or something like that. Yeah. Um, but it was it was alarming because it was like, wow, they have to they have to open up about everything they've ever done. Yes. And if they if they do anything to piss off, you know, the prosecutors, they open themselves up to a world of hurt. And so I think that's why they're coming out now so vehemently like, no, we didn't break a rule. We didn't do anything didn't wrong. Do like, anything. there's nothing wrong here. Um, n- nothing to see kind of thing because I think they know that they've probably exposed themselves to so much already yeah. um, in, in their testimony that they've... They've, they're in a really precarious position. The right? Daily Beast article that also wrote about this was citing um, the editor-in-chief as um, could be subject in the Southern District of New York like to coercion. Uh, coercion. Oh, um, wow. Because basically, and they, they were like going through the, it's going to be really interesting because this, their headline was like, could the, could the um, top leaders of AMI end up in jail for this, really? I, I mean, mean, I think... I think there's, I'm, I mean, I'm not a lawyer and I don't pretend to be one, but yeah. I think there's a high likelihood that this is going to get really yeah. ugly for I them. think so, I think too. So, too. So we're all in agreement on that. Absolutely. So we're going to just continue to see how that plays out. But um, I would just, one more question before we move on to the next uh, story. Do we think then you felt like uh, Jeff Bezos, of like what you, irregardless of what you said about like not usually um, cheering on the white guy that mm-hmm. kind of owns this half rich the world? Yeah. But do you think in this case that even like he received praise from his own from the newsroom of Washington Post for this because he went to medium and actually did it like he didn't want it to be like he was using um, his own platform that he owned right. like a newspaper sure. platform do we think then all the kudos that he's kind of received uh, pretty much blanket across was deserved? I think it was smart. There, there is like some kind of a conflicty tone of, of doing it in the Washington Post as doing it yeah. as yeah. an op-ed because there's already like attacks from the president calling you know him saying that uh, I think he actually says in the piece that that he wrote that you know the the president assumes that because anyone in the Washington Post ever says anything about him that's negative that I hate him, which right. you know does isn't really based in anything. Yes, so. medium allows him a very direct statement. And if I'm not mistaken, Medium does not have any ads, so it's sort of it you know like it it's airing it you know airing a grievance on a public billboard yeah. basically kind of thing. Yes, um, uh, I think it removes the filter if it, that it would have had he done it through the Washington Post, had he done it through a, even a PR representative or an attorney. Yeah, um, you know. I'm with you in that I have a hard time rooting for a lot of very rich people, (laughs) you know, who are talking about how hard life is. But the truth is, his privacy was violated. That's wrong, no matter who you are. And, you know, he has the deep pockets to cause a lot of legal pain to AMI. So, 
Uh, one person who was actually talking about this, oh, besides everyone, yeah, besides. Was, <laughs> uh, that's in the press is uh, Anna Navarro, who is of oh, course, God, we love uh, her. yeah, on uh, a CNN contributor. I think she's also on the. View she's on now. the View. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, view every Friday. Exactly. Yeah. So this is what she had to say. She says Jeff Bezos is uber rich. He controls his business. Also has kids, parents, a wife, shareholders. Even rich people want to avoid embarrassment. Not allowing himself to be blackmailed took guts. It's a lesson for all of us. Number one, confront things head on. Number two, don't send naked selfies. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I lost so many dates because I wouldn't send dick pics. I That's mean, in this day and age, like, <laughs> just don't do it. And, like, when I see people put their face in it, I'm like, really? What, what are you really doing? Yeah. Like, there's so many celebrities. I mean, just, yes. like, not being a celebrity and being nervous to do that. Exactly. But let alone, you're a celebrity. Like, yeah. how about how many times, like, the DMs on Twitter, like, that you would get those exchanges between, like, major celebrities. You're like, yeah. did they really write that? Like, yeah. you know, yeah. in a... Pick I've up had, the phone. I've had multiple instances as well where it's like, send me this. I mean, it's like, no. no. Are, you, no. <laughs> are you kidding? Yeah. Anyone's phone can be hacked. Anything digitally can yes. be hacked. Well, that's Absolutely. why I'm still paranoid of the iCloud. I'm so paranoid of the iCloud. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, I'm paranoid about the iCloud, too. I'm paranoid about Siri. Okay. <laughs> She's always listening. Siri's always and listening. Alexa, yeah, I'm Alexa. most worried about Alexa, because, like, she picks up way too much. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't even say your name. Girl Calm is nosy. Down. Right. <laughs> she is she nosy. nosy. And then when you want her, it's like, Alexa! Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> We're not talking about that now. She busy. Right. Oh <laughs> like, God. I have other stuff to do. What? <laughs> All right, moving on to one more big media misstep, and then we'll get to a little bit of a lighter fare. Um, Jill Abramson, the former New York Times oh, editor. Very um, unfortunate turn of events. Her book came out, which is called Merchants of Truth, and it's about where we stand in, like, this... Uh, age of journalism with all of these um, digitally native companies like the BuzzFeed, like Vice, and then, you know, why truth is still so important and real good journalism is still so important. She wrote a whole detailed book about this. And no sooner did the book get released, um, (laughs) Vice um, uh, wrote an article (laughs) picking, basically calling out big, large pieces of the book that she essentially, quote unquote, plagiarized. Well, what it was, at least to her um, uh, defense, was saying it was footnotes that weren't properly credited. So I ask, is this uh, forgivable? Like, is this forgivable or completely unacceptable given that the whole mission of the book is about really good journalism? It makes me wonder what her editor was doing. Yeah. You know, tru- truly, um, you could say it's it's misplaced footnotes, but isn't that the copy editor, the, the managing editor's job to make sure that everything is where it needs to be? Yeah. Um, it's, it's sloppy writing and it's, you know... At its best, it's sloppy writing. At its worst, it's plagiarism. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think there's any denying that. I mean, I don't tend to comment on plagiarism stories. So, <laughs> is there a reason? I'm for kidding. That? I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> I was like, I was like, wait, what? what? No, I think what was interesting to me about this story was that the worrying. Going back to Melania, right? Oh, so, like, I just got that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the biggest plagiarism. Okay. Oh, that was like God. right over the head. Oh, so sorry. Oh, oh my God. 
Bum, bum. Right. No. So going back to Melania and looking at this situation, what's interesting to me is that these are not word for word grabs, right? So yes. like, there are words that are changed in certain places, which say to me that something precarious did happen. Yeah. Yeah. Because if this was a citation, you're not going to change the words, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So in the exactly. in the CNN, um, she was on reliable sources with uh, Brian Stelter, and they put up on the screen like the side by sides, and there were a few words that were changed, and they weren't like context words like he versus a name. It was like you switched around adjectives and move things around. So that made me feel a little bit differently about it. When I read the story, I yes. thought like, like oh, okay. this could be an honest mistake and blah, blah, blah. But then I saw the excerpts and I was like, yeah, she did move. They, she or an editor or whomever yeah. did switch out words and change things around, which made me feel like maybe this isn't as... As, as she says it is. Which was interesting, too. So in case uh, our viewers don't know, Brian Stelter was previously oh at the God. New York Times. So that was his boss. He was eating her. I was surprised. I was like, oh, my God. Like, unrepressed, uh, like, uh, yeah. anger he was from like, before. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Remember that time you ca- you yeah. completely canceled yes. the story of mine? Well, now I've got to. Yeah, it, was, it felt like that. It definitely felt like that. Yeah. What, what, is your, what are your thoughts? Anything to add to that? I mean, like I said, it's sloppy writing even you know it, it sort of speaks to a certain uh, shorthand if she's just going to take someone else's quote and change a few words around and think she's going to get away with yeah. it um, I don't know why she would do that unless that she's either lazy or she's under a huge time constraint well and- she's not though because I mean my thing is she's not working full time right now like the book was what sh- her job is right now she's been out of work from New York Times for the last two years or something then I'm going to say she's pretty lazy yeah, I thought it was pretty lazy. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to lie. I think there was a certain level. She had said also on reliable sources this morning that she thought it was like a hit. Like that vice was like out to get her. But I I'm mean, like, I will say like someone really must have meticulously read that because it, there were a lot of instances where it was like, how did you even find find this? Yeah. And so. Vice Vice cited one sort uh, like one instance, and I think it was Huffington Post later cited something like seven or eight more. Someone of else them. on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of instances that were found so it was like who was going through this and like running it through a system or whatever well apparently she did um send like the pages of the manuscript to the to the entities that she was writing about to give them a chance to respond and correct and she said she corrected pieces of it that they sent then she didn't hear anything so it was like and and then there was oh this is wrong and that's wrong after the galley came out and i'm like did they sort of like? Because it's like you got the manuscript, so I don't know. Well, I mean, I was I'm recently in a book in a in a textbook, and like they yeah. sent me like the sides of what they were going to write, right? Yeah. And they were like, "Is this correct?" And da da da. And I sent them like correction and like, "Oh, you know, switch this and da da da." But like, even when it came out in the actual textbook, yeah, I think it was still a little bit different than what I sent them. That, I'd have to yeah. go back and like cross check them, but like it wasn't exactly as I remembered writing it. It was it was correct, and like they didn't say anything that was not. That was not, you know, based on what we had discussed. But I think those things continue to change. So I'm I'm curious to see how that is going to play out for her. I agree. Um, okay, so moving on. So this is fun fair. You Guilty have this pleasure smirk fair. on your face. Yeah, because I'm, <laughs> I'm team Aniston. And I just love anything like, that feels like a, like a fun story or like yeah. something good. Anyway, it was her 50th star-studded 50th birthday party last night um, at the um, Sunset Tower. And Brad Pitt showed up it was her 50th which obviously the whole entire like anyone who cares about them the internet was just immediately ablaze oh my god oh my god what does this mean so i just want to mention it because it's like we're not like are they together i want to more ask you guys why do you think after all this time 
that there are so many people still fascinated with them after all these years? That's as good a question as any I've ever heard. I, because I've never had that fascination myself with anybody, yeah. any yeah. couple, you know. I don't get I mean, it. Oprah and Stedman. Never mind. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I, I read the story and I was like, oh, okay. It... it I don't know. Like I, I, I was glad that it was her fiftieth birthday and not her fifteenth birthday, right? Yeah. Like if it was her fifteenth birthday, like her ex boyfriend <laughs> showing her far too long well, for that. Well, like. no, I mean, I more so mean like if it was her fifteenth birthday, like her ex boyfriend coming would be a huge deal. Yeah. Like, right. Oh my god, what is Mark doing here? You know what I mean? But it's like she's fifty years old. Book. They've they've been apart for years. Like I would yeah. imagine, it's, like your ex is someone that you can have like a cordial conversation. It's with. It's nice that party. they're friends. Maybe they're revisiting the well. Who knows? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, maybe. I mean, neither one of if them. If I look like that, person. you know. Yeah. If Brad Pitt or my ex, I'd probably be inviting him to my birthday party too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you think it's then a case of more that we people tend to forget this, and even the media, celebrity? I should point to celebrity news media because this is like the biggest story to a celebrity sure. site right now. Whereas, uh, you know, a site that covers the industry, this is like whatever. But do you think it's then again just that this became such a media? Uh, circus around it that they're really just two people that are like they got divorced he remarried she remarried and it's like yeah so now we're friends again I think people are holding on to it because they're both re-divorced and they're both seemingly single and like yeah. right. I think people want it to be something but I and think it, yeah sorry, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, I was here. just gonna say um, they're stars from before the whole social media era yes. we actually saw like now oh, we see so relationships playing out so then I think that's why people are holding on to it because it's kind of like this. There's some mystery about mystery it. about them, and yeah. they're also still not social media. Exactly, people. like Jennifer has not gone on social, and and Brad, I believe, is not either. Yeah, they're not I, on social. This is a story, like personally, I don't care about, but I will say as a. a it, it's like the ultimate rom-com, right? Like, to yes. see them, right. if they were to get back together at the end, it'd be like, oh my God, love oh my is God. real. <laughs> yeah. you know? So it's like, yeah. They were well, meant to be. They're right, exactly. Yeah. exactly. But that's yeah. what I'm going to say. Like, on a personal level, I am not a person who has ever... Uh, supported reconciliations just because from my personal no 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 my personal experience is that I've never seen or heard about one that worked long term it's always like oh we got back together and you're like five months in they're like all the recurring problems oh it remind us why we shouldn't have been together to be fair I think when you have an ex and you haven't been together for a while you do have a, a, a period of that like why did I like you? And then you go out to dinner with them and like they're smacking their food and they're saying something right. stupid. You're like, oh, this is why I didn't <laughs> yeah. like you. Thank you for the reminder. Thank you. And they're not I'm getting good. back together. At least we don't We don't think we so. We don't think so. They're just, you know, he's showing up to her birthday party and, and let it be said too, Jennifer and Brad are both very, very media savvy and always have been and yeah. would you have heard about this birthday party had she not, had he not shown up? Well, also interesting, mm-hmm. ex, his other ex, Gwyneth, was there. Because Gwyneth was also there. Gwyneth's everybody's ex. Yikes. <laughs> oh, God. On that but note. True. On yeah. that note. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, I was just curious to see what some smart folks thought. Like, why is so many people so fascinated? And I got my answer. So, thank you. Some smart people and apparently us. Yeah. Like, yeah. Team Aniston forever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving on from that to one more story. And we've got a couple minutes, so we got to squeeze this in. But... Liam Neeson, like, oh, worst dear. week ever, yeah. could we say? He called that upon himself. Oh, my God. Thank <laughs> you. Like, so his movie did terrible this week, and I'm, I, we, I, I didn't see the... You would know more than I. Were the reviews leading up to it already, like, bad, or is they, it they totally this end of- from what I read. Um, I don't think anybody's chomping at the bit to see him do another revenge 
So Liam Neeson doing revenge? Tell me more. Exactly. I'm not familiar. One of the great actors. It's a shame. I just want to recap for really fast for 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 anyone who was living under rock this week because this story went everywhere. He did an interview with the Independent where he obviously his guard was really down, and he proceeded to talk about uh, an incident. uh, where he uh, he had a loved one. It was some time ago. Neeson had just come back from overseas to find out about the rape. Basically, a loved one was mm-hmm. raped. She handled situation of the rape in the most extraordinary way, Neeson says. But my immediate reaction was, there was there's a pause. I asked, did she know who it was? No. What color were they? She said it was a black person. I went up and down with a, um, with a kosh, hoping I'd be approached by somebody. I'm ashamed to say this. And I did it maybe for a week, hoping some, and he gestures in the air uh, with his fingers, that this black bastard would come out of a pub and I'd have a go at him. So, can I jump in here? Yes, Um, please. So, two things. Number one, if you're the journalist who's interviewing him, this is one of those moments where you're like, well, I can throw out my notes because we have a whole (laughs) other story here, right? Um, I, I just, that is one thing. The other thing is like, we are all like media trained and like Liam Neeson is not new to the game no. and yeah. it's like how do these words even come to like the back of your throat let alone out of your mouth like how do you even think that it's going to be okay to say this yeah I was so taken aback by this but it's also like when you have an immense amount of privilege and you have an immense amount of money and you've been like winning in the game for years and years and years I think there is like an invincibility that, that you kind of start that to feel start to develop I was blown away that he would even say this how loud not that he did it but that he said it said right it. I mean it's it's a crazy thing to say in an interview in front of your co-star and a journalist when you're plugging a movie but let it be said too it's not some you know he was talking about something he was not proud of and he talks in that interview about getting help after that as in he recognized that this feeling was not rational and that it was not a cool thing to do or to feel to expect you know some kind of retribution some you know to seek revenge like one of his characters yeah would i just there's no circumstance under which i would have been like oh yeah tell that story about the time (laughs) where tell that one because like we all know how headlines work right like the headline is not going to be uh liam neeson sought revenge but also felt bad about it later on when he Mm -hmm. thought about it because that's not how that works like you know when i first saw it in my twitter feed i think it was like monday it broke i think i think it was like the beginning of the week i had to keep i had to do one of those like google where you look back to go is that real like this tweet because you start to think it's like a fake tweet i was like like i read like the first three i kept reading i'm like wait a minute like this is a real article like i couldn't believe it but the interesting thing is that it was a flask of tea at his side but i that's debatable i would think right he had a flask of tea yeah at his side irishman a flask has anyone ever put tea in a flask yeah that's a good question yeah that was the interesting part okay so what was the next leg of this was the defenses that were coming out. But, Michelle Rodriguez. Oh, yes. Lord. Can we talk yeah. about that? Stage oh, Christ. I so Michelle Rodriguez came out and said, like, oh, he can be racist. Look at how he was kissing Viola Davis in Widows. And it was like <laughs> for for one thing, like that's oh, not girl. how racism works. Yeah. <laughs> Sweetness. <laughs> there was oh, a lot of uh, Sweet slave girl. owners and yeah. slave Yeah. But like it, 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 I mean, as a black man, like my first thought was like uh, yeah, tell that to all the slaves who yeah. were, like, coerced into sleeping with their, their slave masters, right? Yeah. But even, like, to bring it more current, like, 
uh, do sexist men marry female ass women? Like, yes, they do. Right. Like, sexist, like, sexism and racism does not mean, like, you won't engage. Like, that was so mind-blowing to me. And Michelle Rodriguez, as a woman of color, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, are you even serious? She's come out and said that she was wrong and, you know, all the things she's supposed to say. But, like, I was so taken aback by that. Like, is this a, okay, because this movie did really bad. Do, is this a career-killing no, uh, I mean it's not Mel Gibson, so. but like, no. who is yeah. still working, by the way. Yeah. Well, it took a while. Is Ro- but, like, let me ask. Let me refer. Is this Roseanne level? Um, is this no. uh, what's his name? That James uh, Gunn level? Is this uh, you know, James just, Gunn still working? Also, Roseanne, yeah. I think I knew love, her time yeah. was up. Roseanne's so, in Israel making yeah. speeches right now. And yeah, then, I don't think it's. I mean, this is like a first offense that I'm aware of. Right. Yeah. And I think, yeah. like, had it been, like, well, you know he's been a racist jackass for a long yeah. time. Yeah. He said, that, I mean, maybe he has been, I don't know. But, yeah. like, but because it's a first offense, I would think it probably is not going to be career-killing for him. No. no. And, right. like, I so. like I say, in the context of he recognized that his feelings were wrong, so, you know, you want to give him the benefit of the doubt that hopefully he's not necessarily walking around still thinking these things. Yeah. Wait, he's British or Australian? He's Uh, Irish. He's Irish. What he said. Okay, because, I mean, just geographically, there are places in Europe where literally they don't have... Correct me if I'm wrong. Black people. Black people. You were nervous to say that, weren't you? <laughs> yes, I was. Just a little was. bit. A little bit. <laughs> I could feel that. Yeah, uh, yeah right. <laughs> it's like they I, don't have. No, because you I, know. I, I because I remember my like Australian friends that moved over here like dec- decade ago, and they'd say, "Listen, there's really sure. no black like there's not, there's a, lot, not a lot of we black all have people. exposure to black people." Yeah, right. I mean, sure, but like even if that were the case, like he's yeah. been here long enough, right. yeah, <laughs> you know, like that, that, that wouldn't be a plausible excuse. Okay. So, yeah. He's well, been in pray. LA long enough. So we're all going right. to pray for him. We'll pray for Liam. Um, Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and gun. prayers to Liam. Uh, I might. I'll think about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm more concerned about the, any of the people he might have run into on the street. Yeah. Right. But, anyhow. All right. Um, any other final thoughts about anything here? Oh, wow. Mm. I, I it's been a week. Yes, it yeah. is. It's been a week. It's a crowded week. I know yeah. you were intrigued by the Les Moonves story this week. I, I know, know we don't even we don't have, have time enough to get oh, to man. it. But yeah, Les Moonves return. He yeah. slinked out of from under. Anyway, <laughs> Les Moonves returned. He set up shop in and not discreet at all. The nine thousand building on Sunset. Oh wow! Um, and I mean, he didn't put his name on the side of the building. No. But, like. <laughs> but you got to just kind of wonder. Okay, I did prepare a question here. Too soon. Uh, um, my my perpetual question in these in these situations, whether it be Matt Lauer or Harvey Weinstein or whomever, is like, how long are they not supposed? Well, not Harvey Weinstein or Matt Lauer, like because problematic like dot com but i mean like with a less moon vest a none of them none of these people have really gone to court yet there's been no like real formal charges and all that it's like are they never supposed to work again i don't know what i don't the think he's to never supposed is. to work again that's why i'm asking i, too soon. I don't know i don't know i, I mean to your point there there are levels to this right there's harvey yeah. weinstein is a rapist there are people make inappropriate comments or just dickheads to work with right um, al franken is jeffrey a bit tambor yeah. yeah is not the same thing as harvey weinstein yeah fine the the bigger conversation that I'm interested in in coming out of the Me Too movement is when do you forgive somebody? When yes. is the act of contrition enough? Um, well, like 
if, in that for that question, like Les Moonves A has never admitted to it yeah. nor apologized, so that's a different situation. Yeah, right? Very true, um, but yeah. I'm just saying generally, you know. There I mean, are, I have been people who have come out and had extreme regrets, like Al Franken, for what yeah, they've done. So. Yeah, I think, I mean, for like a mainstream, uh, a mainstream community to be able to like to re-receive that person, like they've got to at least be able to say like, yeah, I really screwed this up, and this is what I did, and I'm really sorry, and blah blah blah. I think Les Moonves, I think it is a little soon, um, but also yeah. in the New York Times piece, they, there's a really interesting clause. I don't know if you guys saw in the piece, like there's an interesting clause in his severance agreement with CBS that said they have to pay they for his for office, the office space. space. Space for yes. a year. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, like that was something God. in his yes. agreement. And I'm like, so they're paying how do you for even, the space. Well, that's geez. ballsy to even ask for. Like, it, how do you deal? Like, the, and this is this is the other thing that should be said. If you weren't a super rich guy, would he be right. having this second chance at all, let alone this soon? That's you know? so, the more the issue, this arrogance mm-hmm. of these God complexes of these holly, powerful Hollywood executives. Where's the contrition? Before well, you start your company, could we get an apology? Could, yeah. Well, I mean, we you're not going to. You're not going to get an apology if he's still denying that it happened. But I will say, like, I'm sure that he has this feeling of, like, hey, I've got the money, I've got the background, and there, I'm sure there are a handful of people who are willing to go and work with him because it's kind of like, it's kind of going and but leading women, a company. Like, go, are women going to well, go work Probably with not. But, yeah, well, yeah. I'm sure some there are will. some, some, right? Will. But some I'm are thirsty sure, enough, too. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. think going and, like, leading a company with less Moonves is kind of like becoming vice president when you know the president has a bad heart and some shitty karma, right? Like, this guy might go to jail and I could probably run this. I think there's like that element of it, but also he's like a rich, powerful man who, you know, led CBS into, you know, a, a great yeah. number of years. I'm sure there's some people out there that will be willing to work with him regardless of whatever uh, allegations come out about him. All right, then. Okay, so um, Alina, yeah. would you like to tell everyone where they can find us? Absolutely, you guys can watch us on the AfterBuzz YouTube page. You can subscribe to MTHP on Apple Podcasts. Rate us, give us those reviews and likes. Plus, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Meet the Hollywood Press and on Twitter at Meet the HWD Press. Thank you, Jared. Thank you, David. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners and viewers. We will see you next week. Founder Kevin Undergaro and me, Maria Menounos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.